Thank you, all you musicians and singers. We need to pray for this crew. They've got a lot to do. Next week, we've got Christmas on Canal with special music. Two weeks from today, we have keyboards at Christmas. Lots of special music. Thank you to all the singers. We are focusing on the theme, The Deliverer Has Come, this Christmas. So with each one of the Advent wreaths, we have a prayer of deliverance for those who are oppressed, for those who may be enslaved, for those who are oppressed with sin. And uh, the theme of deliverance is a theme that is part of Christmas. He is the deliverer who comes to bring us out of slavery into the freedom that God gives. And I want us to focus today on Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. The never-ending kingdom that is initiated through Jesus. By the way, contrary to a rumor that's been out, I did not fall off my roof. You'll be happy to know. I was tied securely by a hundred-foot rope, all right? I did repair a vent on the roof, but I slipped and fell on the rocks by Lake Pontchartrain. A much shorter fall, thankfully. So, for those of you who are concerned about my tumble from the roof, did not happen. All right? In the sixth month... God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, You who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. And so we have the announcement to Mary that she's going to have a baby. She protests after this. And the angel explains to her that she's going to have a baby through the power of the Holy Spirit. And she says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Geography is destiny sometimes. 
Last week, we were in Bethlehem, a little hamlet seven miles south of the thriving metropolis of Jerusalem, the center of learning and religion for the Jews. One of the great cities, really, of the ancient world. Today, we are in Nazareth, tiny little blue-collared Nazareth, in Galilee of the Gentiles, a hundred miles north of Jerusalem, 20 miles west of the Sea of Galilee. Nazareth, can you get it in your mind? Can you get it straight? It's probably the ancestral home of Joseph, a place where carpenters lived, a place of obscurity. Seven miles north of Nazareth, there is another thriving metropolis that you may not have heard of. In ancient times, it was called Sepphoris. And you can go there today and see the ruins of a great city at the intersection of the east and west and north and south trade routes that came through that part of the world. They built Sepphoris. You can go there today and see the mosaics, the great rooms, the pools, and a plethora of synagogues for Sepphoris was a center of Jewish studies. Because it was being built up in the first century, some people think and suppose that Joseph and his son Jesus, both carpenters, traveled the short distance from Nazareth to Sepphoris and that maybe that's where they spent a good bit of their time building that thriving metropolis, some people say. It's interesting because in the time of Jesus, two houses have emerged in Judaism, powerful houses of thought and religion. Both Shammai and Hillel lived in the time of Herod the Great, that is, 40 years prior to the birth of Jesus. And Shammai was a rabbi who believed that you needed to build a wall of separation between the Jew and the Gentile. And he was concerned about Judaism being polluted by outside forces. Hillel, on the other hand, believed that the Gentile world had much to offer and entered into discussion with Greek and Roman thought and even commerce. And they say that the school of Hillel prevailed in Sepphoris, while the school of Shammai prevailed in Jerusalem. Even today, you can read about these two schools of thought, which remain of interest to rabbis in modern times. Some say that both schools are valid and that in a time when the people of God interact with Gentiles in the outside world the school of Hillel prevails while the school of Shammai is just a concept but they say one day 
when the messianic kingdom comes, then the stricter version of the law will prevail in that messianic kingdom, and Shammai will be the thought, and Hillel just the concept. Some people think that Mary was from Sepphoris. I don't know. Tradition says her parents were Anna and Joachim. And when I went to Israel for the first time, the guide took us to a house on a hill in the ruins of Sepphoris. And he declared to us, this was the house where Mary grew up. <laughs> Who knows that? <laughs> Who could possibly know that, you know? I told him, I said, Anna and Joachim are not mentioned by name in the New Testament. And he argued with me. <laughs> They're not in the New Testament. But they are in tradition. And it's obvious that Sepphoris, this thriving metropolis, was there by Nazareth. When you grew up in that time, you didn't get on jet planes and fly everywhere. You stayed in the place where you were born and grew up. And so Jesus was a citizen of tiny Nazareth all the years of his growing up in Galilee of the Gentiles. The first rabbis he encountered were probably those near Nazareth, not down in faraway Jerusalem, five days' journey by foot. You had to take two weeks to go to Jerusalem. They didn't go there. Maybe once a year. There was a palpable conflict between these two schools in the time of Jesus. One of them advocated a view of divorce that was very strict the school of Shammai. The school of Hillel had a different view on divorce. When Jesus was asked a question about divorce, behind it there was probably this discussion between these two schools. When he was asked about paying taxes, that discussion may have been in the background. And even the question of the great commandment. I tell you this because geography is important and where you grow up is important. The people you interact with and the folks that you know. And Jesus was dropped into the obscurity of Nazareth under the providence of God. And people thought he was from Nazareth. They didn't know he'd been born in Bethlehem, a hundred miles away. Bethlehem was in the prophecies. The Messiah was going to come from Bethlehem. It was prominent when the Magi said uh, to the king, well, he's going to be born in Bethlehem. King Herod was hearing what the prophets said. But when they said, Jesus of Nazareth, he shall be called a Nazarene, the response is, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Have you ever heard of Nazareth producing anything? And the answer is no. 
So Jesus was buried under a blanket of obscurity for all his upbringing in a little place called Nazareth. And the angel comes to this tiny hamlet, to the home of a young woman named Mary. And he speaks to her and says, Hello, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And a shiver goes through Mary. It sparks a conflict in her mind. She is greatly troubled by what the angel says. And the word is dialogia, which is a debate inside your own mind as to what this angel means, what this person means, what this greeting is about. Hello, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. The scripture says she is greatly troubled by this greeting. And there's a tremor in her heart and mind and soul akin to the tremor that King Herod felt when the Magi said, where is he who is born king of the Jews? The scripture says of Herod when he hears the king of the Jews, a title he has claimed for himself, that he is disturbed. It is a different word than greatly troubled. This is the word for fear, for dread. Something has introduced a fear into the heart of this king as he hears the announcement of this baby's birth. But Herod and Mary have in common this truth. A tremor goes through their heart when they hear the announcement of this birth. It is not a personal disturbance alone that shakes Mary and Herod when the announcement comes from the angel, there's going to be a baby born. The scripture says that Herod was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. So now we have a city, the city of learning and religion in Judaism, and it itself is disturbed by this announcement, by the word from these three wise men that have come to say, the king of the Jews has been born. Where is he? We've come to worship him. Have you identified him? Do you know where he is? And Jerusalem is disturbed. It goes beyond the personal, you see. It's not just trouble in the heart with Mary and Herod. It's trouble in the city, the city of the great king, the center of the universe for these Jews. Jerusalem is disturbed, and not just Jerusalem. These magi have followed a heavenly body there is some kind of planetary cosmic change that has come to the sky. The night sky looks different than it used to. A star has appeared in the east. The trouble's not just personal, not just internal, not just to the social network of the city of Jerusalem. The heavens are disturbed. Something is happening, a, a seismic tremor 
passes through the world order when the announcement is made a baby is born things are not like they used to be change is in the air when John looks back on this in the book of Revelation and writes in chapter 12 about the cosmic struggle about the struggle between good and evil and God and the devil he goes back to this moment and he writes in Revelation 12 verse 1 a great and wondrous sign appeared in heaven a woman clothed with the sun with the moon under her feet and a comet in the stars the scripture says she was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth then another sign appeared in heaven an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and it describes the dragon the dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that he might devour her child the moment it was born it's not just people having personal problems it's not just Judaism experiencing the fissure of the Messiah mostly rejected but some accepting him he came to his own and his own received him not he came into the world that he made and the world didn't know him but to as many as received him Jew or Gentile, bond or free man or woman from any nation, any tongue as many as received him to those people he gives a power to become the children of God even to those who believe in his name God is doing something new and wonderful and it shakes the planet chains of the cosmos and the stars and it brings about such a dramatic transformation that humans divide time at his birth so that the birth of Jesus is the marking point and everything before him is BC and after him it's AD And the same is true in your life. The never-ending kingdom is initiated here in this story. The angel says, you're going to have a baby. And the Lord God is going to give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. The angel comes to little Nazareth to make this announcement. He comes to the Virgin Mary, a young woman, to tell her the news. God is bringing about his wondrous plan in ordinary places through 
ordinary people transformed by simple faith and obedience. You say, well, where is this kingdom? The throne of David, the house of Jacob. Where is this kingdom? If you know Jesus, you're in it. You're in it. You're part of the future. This is what God is doing in the world. God has initiated in Jesus the never-ending kingdom, and he is gathering his church in this age of grace. These days when people hear and respond and receive Christ as Savior, and when you say yes to the call of God, when you say yes to the Messiah Jesus, when you believe in your heart that he was sent from God as a Savior of the world, that he died on the cross for your sin, when you personally receive him, God gives you the power to become his child. This is what makes us Christians. We are Christians because we believe Jesus is the promised Messiah and the Savior of the world, born of the Virgin Mary in a little place called Bethlehem, grew up in Nazareth, lived as a man among men, walking the paths of Galilee, taught for three years on this planet, said amazing things that still echo in the literature and language of the world taken by his enemies and crucified on a cross, buried in a cold, dark tomb. Three days later, God raised him from the dead. We believe in the risen Savior who is both Lord and King. And we believe one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is indeed God's anointed one sent from heaven to earth to save us from our sin. There's always the personal tremor when you hear the, when you hear the announcement of the birth. Whether you are Herod or Mary, it shakes your mind, your heart, your soul, your world. Are you really going to take the step to believe that God was in Christ Jesus, reconciling the world unto himself? Sometimes, like Mary, there was a conflict in your mind, and you were greatly troubled at the notion that Jesus is the Son of God and the Savior of the world and the personal tremor that goes through you is God's way of saying this changes your life now and forever look I didn't invent this story I'm just retelling it like we've been doing for thousands of years 
God is good, and he made all things, including you. And you are broken beyond your ability to repair yourself. But because you are the object of the Creator's passionate love, He made a way where there was no way to rescue you from the brokenness and sin that separates you from Him. He sent His Son. He sent His Son. The one who develops in your womb, Mary, will be called the Son of God. And Mary's response is the one that every troubled mind and heart must make. Not solving all the problems nor answering all the questions, but simply saying, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. It is humble submission. It is simple faith. It is you trusting that the power that brought you into being is the same power that rescues you through Jesus Christ the Lord. Bow with me, please. Somebody in the room needs rescued this Christmas from a mind full of uncertainty and a heart full of fear. Is it you? You have a tremor in your own mind when you hear the Christmas story. Would you say today in simple faith, Lord Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose again from the dead. And I receive you as my personal Lord and Savior. Would you make such a confession? Would you make such a step of faith? God, I pray today that we will really worship this Christmas that we will keep the pledge we sang about. We will give you all the glory, all the honor. We will not pretend or simply go through the motions, but we will worship you. And we will receive your Son as Savior, and we will walk in him. Lord, see our hearts and hear our prayers. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.